morning. Welcome to the Mars Sunday Morning Services. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. Thank you so much for being with me. I absolutely appreciate it. You can get involved in this conversation by or today's topic by calling 800-411-BOND, 800-411-2663, or email us, church at bondinfo.org, church at bondinfo.org, and put your name in town, name in town, your emails. Good morning, everybody here. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. I, um, it's interesting, I, I got a letter, and I just thought about this right now. I received a letter from a woman who said, I, I should stop using the word excited. <laughs> you know, I said, like, sometimes I said, wow, I'm excited about being here because we are going to uh, 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 talk about certain topics, right? She said, don't use the word excited because another preacher said you're not supposed to use excited is ego. Don't use, don't use music because music is bad for you. Don't do that. I'm like, wow, I might as well lay down and die then. Come in here like a, just look at you and just <laughs> act like a robot or something. Robot. Yes. That was amazing to get that letter. But... <laughs> I don't know why I thought about that. Oh, I know why I thought. Because I started saying, oh, I'm excited to be here today. Um, last week, we, we, well, this whole year, we're talking about trust and truth. And uh, last week, we had a very good, I thought, discussion about it. And I was looking forward to today because I knew you guys, ladies and gentlemen, was coming in with some uh, really good stuff you discovered this week about yourself. And so I said, you know what? I'm not going to even read the Bible until I hear from them. That way, I know that my work is not in vain. So I couldn't wait to get back to hear you guys to tell me what you learned this week. Wow. This is why I'm excited. <laughs> Look at all the hands. Oh, my God. <laughs> my work is not in vain. I want to read something for you first before we go get into it. And then I want to try to read something afterward. In Proverbs chapter 1, it's real short. It talks about the purpose of Proverbs. It's, for, it's Proverbs chapter 1. And I, I hear all the pages turning. It's for learning what wisdom and discipline are, for understanding words of deep meanings, for acquiring a dis disciplined insight, upright, uprightness, justice, and fair dealing, for teaching sound judgment uh, to the simple, and knowledge and reflection to the young. And that's, a, that's what's not happening today. I, I want to just make that point. I noticed that a lot of parents are not teaching knowledge and reflection to the young. You know, I remember when I was growing up, sometimes the elderly would talk to you about real things in life, about truth and the meaning of life and about the Bible in a right kind of a way. And I don't see a lot of parents, I'm sorry, chapter one. one, Proverbs chapter one. And I don't see a lot of parents doing that today. What they're doing is they're spoiling their kids, 
even the Christians, they're spoiling their kids. They are, they're not teaching them to work as young people growing up. They're not allowing them to suffer and do without anything. You know, whatever they want, they give it to them. And they never really sit with their children and have uh, um, sound talks, you know, get feedback from the kids. And they used to do that in the older days somewhere, but it's pretty much gone now. Um, or perceiving the meaning of Proverbs and obscure saying, the saying of the sage and their riddles, let the wise listen and learn yet more, and a person of discernment will acquire the art of uh, guidance. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools strong wisdom and discipline. Fools hate wisdom and discipline. And if you don't start teaching your children this stuff right now, after a while, they're not going to want to listen to it, and the world is going to deceive them. And I see that happening right now. You send them off to school, they're brainwashed, dumbed down, and demoralized. You, uh, and the parents really don't have any control over their kids because they're not teaching them anything anyway. They don't sit. How many of you sit down with your kids and have deep thought, deep conversation about things? See, nobody. And it's like, it's your responsibility to guide your children in the right way to go. It's your responsibility. And you'd be surprised how simple kids see things. They see the reality of what's going on, but if you don't sit with them and talk to them about it, it's not going to help them. It's going to fade away after a while because other ideas are coming in and you're not feeding them anything. And I'm not just talking about sitting down, quoting scriptures and reading the Bible to them. You can just have a, like a real conversation once a week with your kids about stuff. A few minutes. It doesn't take all day. And you got to start doing that. Um, uh, there's something else I want to tell you about, but let me, let me take these guys who raised their hand. Yes, what did you get from last week's conversation about trust and truth? That to start with, I, uh, I have a problem about taking self-corrective uh, 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 criticism. That may have been uh, one of my stumbling flaw, uh, flaws and may affect, uh, affect my hopes of building, uh, building my own small bi uh, business. Yeah. I do not, uh, I, I, it's a challenge for me to find the strength that's, uh, that is to find out what I should do and most importantly what I should not do in not only building my business but my life as well. Okay. Yes, sir. Um, I saw a while ago the the thing that held me back most of my life was I would I, I would see the truth, and you know about myself and what I had to do, what you know little things here and there. But I I lacked the courage to act on what I saw. So, so for you know I I kind of want to talk a little bit about that because um, that held me back so much. Like I would see the truth, like you know even on small things, but I didn't uh. have the fortitude to act on what I saw. So that truth never went anywhere. It right. never, you know, and, and even on small things, like, you know, like at Starbucks, like maybe the, the server, you know, does something that's not right, and I don't want to upset her, I don't want to, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm not doing that anymore, and it's helped so much, you know, to, it's, what it's done is it's, it's like, 
brought me, it's made me more sure of the truth because now I'm willing to take a stand for the truth <coughs> without, you know, making a big deal of it. Right. And that makes me more, it makes me, more, it's like it, it's building this assurance of the truth because I'm willing, you know, and it kind of separates me from that wanting to be liked and, you know, not wanting to upset people, you know, type of thing. So now you, you, you have the, you're, you're developing the courage to speak up more. Right. At Starbirth or any, any way you need to. Right. And, then the, and before, the truth was just in my head. I mean, it was there, but he couldn't do, God couldn't do anything with it because I wasn't willing to do anything with it. Okay. Interesting. We had a discussion about that last week. Do you remember we having that discussion about the truth? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, anybody want to respond to what he just said? <clears throat> yes, Mark. Uh, I found in the, in the last few months that um, I've discovered uh, my behavior for what it was in the last few years of, of my life, and it's uh, uh, a lot of times pretty bad. And uh, rather than gather up the guts to go find somebody and apologize to them, it doesn't, you don't need guts. You just, you need a change of heart somehow. And it doesn't take any courage because you see that it's the thing to do. And that's what you can do. Yeah. And you, you bring people uh, to their knees. They can't believe what's going on. Yeah. There's nothing like telling somebody the truth and apologizing to them and being sincere about it. And before, I couldn't do it because I had too much pride. Now, yeah. the pride's uh, you know, out the window. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, did you have your hand in response yeah. to what yeah. he said? Um, the point that I want to pick, uh, pick up that he made is, you know, in other words, uh, when you see something going on, you know, be it in they the rest. They can't be trying to make noise. Be it in a restaurant or be it, you know, within within a company or whatever, you rather not say anything because you want to be liked. Right. You see, you don't speak up uh, when you actually ought to be speaking up. And I, you know what, I have that problem. It, it's coming from me being in sales for all of my life. You know, in other words, you don't want to offend the customer. I mean. Because you don't that. want to lose the deal, right? Yeah, you don't want to lose the deal. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to lose, or, or whatever it is. Yeah, right. Whatever, but you know what? I mean, that's, it's almost like a, a, a trade sickness that I have. <laughs> yeah, I understand yeah. that. You know what I'm saying? I understand that. Yeah, and, uh, and, and his point is well taken. You don't want to go out there and just, you know, get everybody upset. Because that's what you're looking forward to do. No, not at all. But when there's something to be said, you know, I, I fall short of that. Yeah. I do. You see? Baby, what is making you speak up now? You still see the truth. What is making you speak up now? I want to be free. I want to be what I should be. I want to be Fabian. I don't want to be a coward. I, oh, okay. I don't want to be mean. I don't want, I just want, I want to be me. I want to be the real me. Everything I should be. I just I, wanna be me. I gotta be me. But I, I, I feel, I sort of feel like I'm out of jail. I've been in jail my whole, my almost my whole life. Oh. And, and okay. Very interesting statement you made. 
Yes, Pat. I realized what Fabian had before was not the truth in his head. It was the knowledge of the truth in his head. Exactly. That's what we talked about last week, is that you can know the truth intellectually, and it doesn't, do, it doesn't change you at all, not for the good. It just puffs you up with the knowledge of good and evil. And you don't have the courage to do anything. Knowledge of truth is not going to give you courage. Um, when, you, when the truth is revealed to you, the courage is with that too. There is no fear in the revelation of truth. Because the truth is perfect love, which is of God, and it casts out fear. And so even now, he's struggling with it because he has the truth, the knowledge of truth. He believes it. You know, we, most of us believe the truth when we hear it intellectually. You can read the Bible and you believe, yeah, this is the Bible. The Bible said it must be true. Somebody can say something that's true, and you can intellectually see that it's true, but it will not change you at all. And so now you still got to struggle with trying to speak up. And, and then when you do speak up, it's in the wrong place at the wrong time. You end up offending people, losing friends. Because you're speaking out with a willful spirit, you're still forcing it to happen. And the people you're speaking up to, they can pick up that, and they don't want anything to do with you because they can see that it's coming from the wrong place. Yes. But then, but then you tell yourself, well, it's not me and them. They just don't want to hear the truth. Right. And so that's, that's a, this bad thing, I think, about the intellect. It, just, it messes you up. I interviewed a a preacher on my radio show this week and his wife was more conservative or close to the truth than he is. His wife didn't support abortion. He does. His wife didn't do a certain other stuff that's kind of out to lunch and he does. And he's a preacher. But, and so I asked him did he go to school to become a preacher or was he called by God? And he said, well yeah, yeah I believe I was called by God but I went to school too to be a preacher. And so what I've come to realize about most preachers, they have allowed what the world does, the, uh, the knowledge of good and evil by going to Bible school and learning about the truth. They are no different than uh, a professor in a college or something. All the stuff they're putting out is just dry knowledge because they have learned it intellectually and it messed with their spirit and there is no life in it. And that's why the people are not they're not being corrected and changed. How can you be a preacher and support, any, and support evil? How can you even justify that? But if you're going to preach a school and you learn the Bible, it's easy to uh, justify because now you have the knowledge of good and evil, and that's not good. And that's what, that's what that kind of, that's why you hear people who say, well, I know God, you know, I've been born again, but I'm still afraid to speak up. I still struggle with this and I struggle with that. I know the truth, but I just can't do it. Yeah, you know the truth, but you're not discovering the truth. Because the truth is something that you discover as you go through life. You don't know it in advance. You know it when you need to know it. It's a discovering thing. Because sometimes the truth would tell you, would give you the knowing not to speak up about a situation. You know, you don't have to correct everything. You know, you don't have to be, if the person at, at the, uh, the supermarket is doing something wrong, 
you, you don't have to correct that person all the time. But if you got the knowledge of truth, you think you do. Isn't that amazing? Yes. It's like a trick being played on us. Yes, yes, yes. yes sir. And you are worse off than when you, before you started. You do what? And you are worse off than, than before you started. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I lived my last, most of my last 20, 25 years with the knowledge of truth. And I was, I was better off before I learned. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that is so true. Yeah. <laughs> That's the truth, brother. Because when you learn the truth, you're already in hell anyhow. And then when you learn the truth, you learn the Bible, you learn the truth, it's just more hell on top of hell. Because that truth that you're learning has not changed your soul at all. And now you feel guilty about knowing the truth because you're still messed up. And then you're running everybody off. It's a mess. Yes. But I was closer to being cool myself. And then years later, I got further and further away from the stuff I already knew. Yeah. I learned this new knowledge, which just took me away. It made it harder. Because then when I went everywhere, I had this knowledge of truth in my head. I went into the sporting goods store, and it's like, you know, if they do something wrong, I'm going to have to say, you know, and it, it just became a living hell. <laughs> it's like you're out there looking for somebody to correct. <laughs> oh, this woman yelling at her child. Let me jump on her. <laughs> I mean, it just... It, this is a spiritual battle, and it's a battle between good and evil. And the devil has made a promise that he is going to deceive every man, woman, and child. And he's even using the truth to deceive you with it. He made you learn all about it, and now you think you got it, and, and you're still messed up. God said the truth makes us free. Uh, in the truth, there is no fear, no doubt, no worry, none of that stuff. And that's the truth. But it has to be given to you to know, not learn at all. And, and it's hard for people to separate the brains, well, the intellectual learning from the discovery truth, from that quiet knowing, knowing that you're, you know, a quiet, voiceless voice. Yes? There's also, I think, a misnomer about building up strength through speaking up. That, Thank you. That's deep. That people feel like they're building that strength and stuff. And, and, and I used to feel like that. I was building up strength by doing But, you know, Scott uh, had said something long ago about how you dealt with, deal with situations and stuff. And he sees you, you know, he hang out with you and stuff. And he saw that you just kind of lived. And you weren't out to, like, point out when people are wrong or this or that. It wasn't like a thing that you tried to do. Yeah. You just live freely and then things kind of come, but there was no having to force the truth out of yourself. That's right. It's very natural. I know exactly what favored me when you said, I know the truth, but I, didn't have, I don't have that courage now building it up. You cannot build up courage. Now, I know there is a saying that you can. When you read the scriptures, God says that perfect love casts out fear. So that means that you don't have it anyway, so there's nothing to build up. Is when you have fear and you have a truth, the other kind of intellectual truth, you're trying to build it up. So you, feel, you figure that if I exercise by, you know, speaking up to people, then somehow or another, I'm building up strength. You're not. You're building up ego. And you're running everybody away from you. Isn't that food for thought? Yes. And we've been taught this way, though. And I understand it. We have been taught to do it. You hear the preacher say, you got to build up strength with the word. You, of yourself, you could do nothing. That's right. And if God says perfect love casts out fear, then it must mean we don't have perfect love. 
Because if there is no fear, then what are you building up on? There's nothing to build up. Yeah. You're a free person. Isn't that something? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, yes ma'am. Oh, I was say, when you clear, clear in your conscience, um, and something comes along, it's spontaneous that you just, you're just spontaneous. You're not like having to think about, oh, well, when this comes up, I have to, it just works. You just are there and you do what's right. My desire, and I hope it's God's will, that I could get you to a place where you can live a life of awareness, for lack of a better word, consciousness. Where? Because consciousness is where everything is. And in God's mind, the Bible says, one mind with God. In that, there is no will of yours at all. There is no building up or tearing down. There is no self at all. There is no learning the truth. There is no nothing. It's just living. It really is. It's like flowers. They just grow from the sunlight. Well, when you are conscious like that, one mind with God, then you're like a flower. You're just blooming because his, his, his light, his love is shining on you, and you're just blooming. You're just living. And you can't learn this, though. And that's why when we are, like, dialoguing right now, you need to be aware of what your thoughts are telling you about what is being said right now because it's, it's lying to you about it. Everything, you, everything that voice is talking to you right now, oh, he mean this. Oh, that, I do that. <laughs> that's what, uh, he, it's lying to you. It's not telling you the truth. And that's why you got to be aware of that thing that has made a home inside of you that's not you, by the way of anger. Yes, baby. I really was talking about my awakening when I started to speak up. I, I'm not having that struggle now, honestly. I, I'm not having that fear thing going, I have to speak up to this person that... Okay. It's not like that. Um, what I'm talking about is, you know, when it started for me, I did have to go through that because I was such a coward for, for you know, I was holed up hiding from the world. So right. I did have to go through that stuff. It's not like that now for me, um, thank God. But, and, and I'm not meaning where you go speak up and you're building up this courage, building up this courage. That's not, that's not what I meant. Oh, when you said it, you didn't really mean it that way? I didn't mean to say I'm, I'm building. I, what I'm saying is you, you're 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 developing character. You're developing more assurance of the truth. Is what I I, I don't go out you know trying to be courageous or anything like that. It's okay. not. But there is a building of character there. That's it's not like you're trying to build it, but it's I don't know. It's like it used to be. I had to remember the truth. I had to remember you know what I did right because it was in my head right. but it's not and now I realize it's not that's not what it is it's not remembering it's like you said it's it's just there but anyway okay <laughs> <laughs> why are we laughing because <laughs> <laughs> he's not clear that's because you're trying to convince him <laughs> he's, he's, what? he's, he's not clear. trying to convince <laughs> Would the white man laugh? I said, yes, master. <laughs> we laughing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Yes, Morris. <laughs> when you descend into this level of consciousness, uh, 
Are you still bombarded uh, by the uh, by the devil? Um, not bombarded, but definitely tempted. But the, the interesting thing about it now, I mean, like like when fear fear walks by, you can, you, you get tra tra uh, you start to pay attention to, to 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 things like that that used to overtake you, but you soon see that they are imposters and they are, they're not real. I love that question. Uh, when you are a one mind with God and you have no anger in your heart at all, fear doesn't walk by. Or if he does, I guess he may be so far out there that it's not a part of your nature anymore. So, the only, reason that, the only reason that anyone would have fear is that you have anger. You have some resentment. That's the only reason you would have fear, and your nature is that of the devil. Otherwise, you cannot have fear. If you don't have anger, you don't have fear. The problem is 99.999.9% of people have fear. I mean, have anger. They still have resentment. They can't get rid of it because they have not understood how to get rid of it. It's the, it's so that's why you would have any fear at all. Well, is it, is it the same with doubt? Anything. Okay. If you have doubt, fear, loneliness, insecurity, worries, um, whatever, anxiety, depression, uh, looking for love on the outside, you have anger. And that's the nature of the devil. But when you have no anger or resentment at all, then you have none of those things. Yes, yes. That makes sense for us? Yes, it does. Yeah. Yes. I have to conclude that this building up, however it's stated, this building up of stuff is some type of compensation from someone who has anger. And if you don't have anger, you don't need to build up because you know, perfect love cast out fear. That's there is right. no fear towards speaking up. That's right. You'd be able to speak up with no practice whatsoever at any time. That's right. Automatically with total freedom. And then there's a lot of time you don't need to be speaking up. But if you don't, if you're trying to build up, you just, like when I told you about the story about the mean person, I won't, I won't mention it anymore. But I realized the person was mean. And then when I looked at them, they said, "Oh, just kidding." <laughs> I could have, in my intellect, I could have said more, but I didn't because I didn't. I want them to see that they do have this inside of them, so I just let it rest. Now, if I had been like into just telling the truth, because I know the truth, I would have pounced on that person. But the moment didn't call for it, and I was able to let it pass. Yes. You would have had an inner need to do so to yeah. feel like you were building something. That's right. <clears throat> That's right. And I'll give you a perfect example of that in a moment, too. Yes, sir. Now, it's like if you know the truth, I guess the, the biggest thing is you still have temptation. And, and I think that's the biggest problem. You know, well, yeah. you know the truth, but you have temptation. So it's, it's like, well, and sometimes I guess maybe the, the, the temptation is a kind of a feel-good thing, you know, and you... Wonder well, do I want to go with the temptation or do 
I want to deal with the truth. Yeah. Very interesting. You guys are making me happy. I'm excited today. <laughs> <laughs> um, first of all, you have to realize that you don't know the truth. We really don't know the truth. We really don't know it. Now, when we read the Bible, when someone tells us about the truth, we just know about it. It's like hearing about a stranger. But we don't know it. And that's why we have to live a sense of a sense, a life of consciousness, so that the truth can be given to us, revealed to us as needed. That's the only way we'll know it. You do not know it in advance. Now I know prideful people in our ego state, we want to think that we do. Well, I know the truth. And people who think that they know the truth are always making decisions about right and wrong. And those are people who don't know the truth because we can't discern right from wrong unless it's given to us to know. Because we'll misjudge the situation. And by our training, we've been trained what the truth is. We've been trained, Faber talked about character. We've been trained about character. And so now everybody's trying to develop character. If I give to this person, I develop character. If I speak up to this person, I develop character. You're not develop, that's, not, that's not how you develop character. I'm telling you, it has to happen in the moment. God is in the now. He's not in the past or the future. It has to happen right now. In the now, as the situation is calling for it. I had a friend of mine who called me up this week, and I, I see this friend maybe once every two or three years. And he was a good friend. He and I went to, I went to a Christian Christian Center before, about 20 years ago, 21 years ago. And I used to work on a PR committee, publicity committee. And what we did, it was a men group. And what we did, we walk on the men to the meetings and in the morning time and kind of talk to them about things. And at the time, long story short, I was lost. I was insecure. I had doubt. I had fear. Uh, I was reading the Bible. I, was, I would go to the men's fellowship. I would give, you know, offering, tithes and offerings. When my little income tax come in, you know how when you're black, you can't wait until you get your income tax check so you can pay your bills? Yeah. <laughs> do white people do that too? Uh, I didn't know white people couldn't wait until income tax time. <laughs> but I would get my little income tax and I would give 10% uh, uh, of that to the church, right? And sometimes it would be like $500 or $600. And I'm thinking, wow. I'm giving the church more money than I got left over out of my little income tax, right? But anyway, I was insecure, so um, once a month, I think, the preacher will have a meeting for men only so you can ask the preacher's questions, the, preacher, the head preacher, Fred Price, questions about yourself and about anything, right? So this one time I went to this meeting, and I was so lost, and I was praying in other tongues, uh, what I thought. They told me to do it. I did it. It didn't work, but I did it. I would read the Bible. So long story short, we were at this breakfast. And so they opened it up for questions. And the guys were getting up asking the preacher, how did you get your last name? How you come up with this middle name? How, you know, all kind of dumb questions. Here I am just sitting here. can't wait to ask my question. So I got up and I asked the man, Fred Price, how do you be a man? I said, I don't feel like a man. And I don't have... You know, I don't have the courage I need as a man. How do you be a man? And then he read me something from the... And I'm telling you, it was about 40 to 50 people there, more, maybe more. 
And so he read something out of the Bible to me. And I said, but that doesn't help me. I, I read that already. And then he got a little irritated, and he read something else out of the Bible. And I said, well, that's not helping either. I already know the Bible. I read that. And then he got mad, irritated. You can see that he was irritated. And he said, well, that's all I have to tell you. And if the word said it, that's it. And I'm like, but that's not helping me, sir. And this is my time to ask you. And at that time, the rest of the men, many of the men in the, in the audience went off on me too. Mm-hmm. They started going off, right? So I just went and sat down. But this friend of mine, he and I became friends while, while working there. So we became, we became kind of close friends. He came by. He called me up this weekend. He said, I want to get with you. I need some of your time. I need to tell you something. So I need about two or three hours of your time on Saturday. I'm thinking two or three hours. I know I haven't seen you in two years, but come on, man. But I said, all right. <laughs> so long story short, he came by. And it, it could have taken three hours, but it took two. Um, he told me, he said, um, you know, you know me well enough to know that I've been trying to do all I can to find God. I, I read the Bible. He and I was just so committed to the church. I read the Bible. I get up every morning. I pray. I do everything. He said, if any one person has done all it takes to find God, I'm that person. And he said, I never was able to find him. He said, I, I, he said when I would go to church, we would have those breakfasts, or if he went out with couples at the church, they were getting divorces, or they were fighting, the men were weak, and, and he saw that even in relationships at this particular church that they were not working, like the brothers and sisters were not working in their marriages and things like that. And he, and he told me that about three or four years ago, he had a spiral meningitis. You know what that is, right? Spinal. Meningitis, and that and when you get that, it, it just it cripples your whole body. Everything stops functioning in the body, and so he had that, and he was in a coma for uh, for a while, three days, I think, I forgot how long, but he was in, in a coma for a while, and he came out of the coma, and uh, his whole body had shut down, and he couldn't function, so he had to resign from his job, so he can't work because everything shut down. And the, and the doctor had, had predicted that he was going to die. They told him that most people that get that, they don't survive. And he said that, uh, so he left the hospital, long story short, went home, and he was just confined to the bed. Couldn't even get up to use the bathroom or anything, so his mother and sister had to take care of him. And he, he said that it prevented him from going to church or anything. And long story short, because he could not leave his room or leave the house, couldn't go to church. Couldn't, he lost his hearing, too. He got like a ringing in the, in the head, you know, like, I guess it caused that kind of problem. Now he can hear a little better. He has those ear things on. But he said that the one thing that happened to him, because he was confined to his home, could not talk to anybody, um, that time alone by himself caused him to realize that his problem was that he hated his mother. And he said, he, and he lived with his mother. He's like 50-something years old and still living with his mother, right? He said, he said the thing that kept him from finding God was that he had no love and he was never told that he had no love. The preachers didn't say it, no one, but God allowed him to see that he hated his mother. 
And he said at three years old, his mother uh, became ill and was unable to take care of him and his sisters, and he resented her for that. But he said that when he saw that he resented his mother, it set him free. And he said now he, he said, you know what, I don't even have to read the Bible anymore. He's like, the foremost thing for me now is love. I, I, I didn't know I didn't have love. I thought I had love, but I had hatred. Now I have love. And he said that whenever I even think about what I want, God just does it for me just like that. He just does it. And he's, his body is now healing. He can now walk. They had said he wasn't going to even survive. He's now walking and driving, and he's coming alive again because he's gotten rid of that hatred that he had in his heart. And he discovered this without anyone telling him that. But because he had a desire to know the truth, God, and he had this time by himself, not distracted by anything else. And he was telling me that he had listened to some tapes about other preachers and things. But when he wasn't able to hear anything or do anything, that's when he discovered that he had anger in his heart for his mother. And, he, and God took it away, and now he can live again. Isn't that amazing? Yes. And, and I say all that to say that you need love. Love, perfect love is the answer to life. It's everything. And the problem is, he even said to me, you know, I hate to say it, Jesse, but these preachers are not doing, they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, they, they don't understand. They don't know how to, a simple thing like love, they don't even know how to bring you to that point. They don't even talk about the hatred that we have for our families and how we need perfect love because they don't see it. Right? And you know what happened? This is another thing I want to add. I had to sit there two long hours to hear this boy tell me all this stuff. Two hours. And the devil trying to tell me to jump in and say this and do that, you know, ride on it, add my little stuff. I couldn't do it. There was something there that would not let me do it. I just had to hear him out. And he was so filled with joy and telling the story. He was just boohooing and everything. You know how when you cry, mama liked to hug you and pat you on the back? I just sat there and looked at him cry and go through everything he had to go through in that two hours. And it blessed me like nothing else before. But it's the love that people need, and they don't have it. Most people don't have love. And that's what the problem is. That's why I said if you have any little anger in your heart at all, you're separated from God. You have fear, you have doubt, you're uncertain, you, you don't have peace. This guy has peace now that he never had before because he was forced. He, oh, he told me, thank God for, the, for this disease. He was like, he was happy that, he was like, it took all that for God to get me alone so I could just hear from him and stop all my other stuff I was trying to do. Isn't that amazing? You need love. Yes, sir. I love that story. Yeah. Uh, that just freed me from feeling like I had to depend on the Bible in some way. Yeah. And I'm not a big Bible reader. But and this person is, is a Bible, and he's my dear friend, but he is a Bible thumper. And for him to say, I don't even need the Bible anymore, I already know it now. I know the truth. It was something else to hear that. But, I, you know, I did feel like at some level having a crutch of the Bible, of somehow needing to go to it to get well. And also for a long time I've wondered, you know, why I'm not better physically. Yeah. You know, I try in many different ways to feel better, so I need less sleep. I tend to need a lot of sleep. And I say, well, I can't 
I don't think I should need so much sleep because yeah. then I can't live my life fully the way I want. I can't be with my son. I can't do lots of things. But I seem to need too much sleep. But you know, you really just kind of answer the question there because it's a lack of love. And I've been thinking about this love for a while. Yeah. And it's really, when you said it is the answer, I totally believe that. It is the answer. It's a lack of love that's caused my other issues in my life. That's right. And I know people who are into taking all kinds of stuff, health food stuff and vitamins and they're bloated. And you know, they, think, they really think all this stuff is going to make them create a good body. Now, you should eat right. You know, you should eat right. I'm not saying you should eat right. When you have love, you will grow to eat right anyway. But it's, it's the lack of perfect love that is bringing on all these problems. This man is coming back to health. He's coming out of a situation where the doctors had told them that most people die from it. They were surprised he's living. And he discovered that it was a lack of love. And he, he reminded me of how the Bible says that uh, some people he gave to teach, prophesy, preach, and all that kind of stuff. But if you don't have love, None of that stuff is worth anything. It's nothing. And that's the problem, folks. You don't have love. Yes, that's right. And if you have fear, if you have doubt, if you have worries, if you're insecure, if you're empty, if you're looking for love for someone else, or in your things and in this and, and all that, you don't have love. Now, you may feel that emotional stuff, but that's not love. That's going to get you to hell real fast. Yes me too that I've used work as a way to get back to some type of reality whereas in reality work is an expression of love yeah. that, that you use you don't you don't work in order to get something it's the expression of the love that you have to give out yeah you know it just that just kind of hit me too it just help it a little bit yes yes sir that's an extreme case of be still and know isn't it yes sir <laughs> an extreme case <laughs> Absolutely. He was totally still. He couldn't do anything. <laughs> and the interesting thing about it, I know this guy. He right. He's right. He. I mean, he he hated to the church. I mean, he would go to church if he didn't go anywhere else. Paid his money, volunteer his time, read the Bible, went to every fellowship, and nothing worked. It was only when he was forced to slow down, to let go, to stop trying, that he was God was able to get in there and reveal to him it was his hatred his anger that was holding him back. And that's the one thing that holds back most people. They don't have love. Yes, yes. And this love that I'm talking about is not a love that you can feel, taste, or touch. It is a, it is a nature. It's God's nature inside of you. It's a new nature. It's a new identity. It's a new personality that you live by. And it has nothing to do with anything that you can do. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Yes, sir. <clears throat> you know, I've been uh, on this path that I'm on for a very long time. And, uh, uh, but I can see that I do not have the love that you're talking about. Yeah. I don't. And, uh, but, but you see it, but at the same token, having been on this journey for such a long time, uh, I mean, I, I do really want to do what's right. And I really do, I mean, I'm really seeking God. I really am. So well, I'm sitting here, I'm wondering, you know, yet I see. 
I don't have that love. No. I don't. And that's all, that's, what you, that's all you really need to know. And then you just need to slow down and don't put your will into it at all. You just need to see, I don't really, I don't have love. I see that I'm mean. I see how I try to manipulate. I see how I'm pretending. If you can just see yourself, you're out of denial so God can come in and do the rest. Rest. But it's that ego that's in the way that really don't want you. It won't let you see yourself. And that's yes. what the problem is. And it'll deceive you and make you think you have it and when you really don't have it. That's how evil the ego is. He is a deceiver. He said that he's going to deceive every man, woman, and child, and he is using the truth to do it. Yes. He used the truth and the lie to do it. Isn't that amazing? But you got to slow down. Like Ed, uh, Ed, uh, Ed said, that's an extreme measure to get someone to slow down. But I guess when God wants to get to you, especially when you want it, whatever it takes, he's going to do it. And the beauty, about, the beauty about it, though, he's now coming back to life. You know, his body is recuperating. He's now driving. He, at one time, he couldn't even move his legs. He couldn't even walk around or do anything. Now he can walk and drive and do anything he wanted in that area. And the ringing in his head is less now. Because now he has perfect love. He's opened up for healing to come in and everything. The devil is not there to really get in the way of his healing. And the body is constantly trying to rejuvenate itself anyhow. And we have the right energy operating through you, which is the energy of God's love. All things are possible. All things are possible. But you got to let go. You got to let go by coming out of denial. Had he resented that, he would have died, huh? Had he resented, probably would have. If he had resented seeing that he hated his mother. Or even just having the disease. Or having the disease. But that boy like, thank God that I got it. You know, because he got, he, re he received something greater than the physical body. That he received the spirit of God. He received love. He, he has insight now. And that's greater than the physical body. Yes, ma'am. So, can you fake it till you make it? Is that what we're doing? Because <laughs> well, that's you what, say perfect love, I don't, I don't have that because it's not continuous. I would say I don't have it because it's not continuous. But I, I've seen instances in myself where... I might be angry at somebody, and I say, and I've, I've also realized, you know, anybody can be angry, but it takes love. You know, what we should be giving that person is love instead of resentment and yes. judgment. And when I realized that, it just went away. So what is, what is that? That's me? it. You're on your way. So just fake it until you make it. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the way. You really are. And a lot of people are on the way. They want it. And there's something that happened because God knows your heart. Something will happen where it'll click one day. But you got to just watch yourself and keep yourself out of the way of that by watching yourself, by being honest with who you are, who you are. And if you're of the devil, you know what? I'm just a devilish person. It's best to be honest about it so he can come in and change it rather than be in denial. That's what Adam did. Adam denied. Had Adam said, you know what, Father? Yes, you're right. I'm wrong. We wouldn't be going through this, this stuff today. But he's like, no, it's the woman. Don't blame me. And that's what the ego does. It makes you blame others all the time. Your it, friend. Your friend it, it'll, it'll talk to you, too. Mm -hmm. it'll, it'll, it'll give you words to deny. I uh, One quick example. And I am going to use this example from someone in the room 
but if you just look straight, they would never know it's you. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody look straight. <laughs> and if, <laughs> well, you just see it in the back of their head. Can't see their face. <laughs> if you don't frown or anything, they will never know. Talking about spoiling children, um, uh, a parent. Oh, I better not use it, cause you're gonna know from the rest of the day who it is. Oh no. I won't use it because I don't have a perfect mission. But anyway, when you have this perfect love, you will not spoil your children either. Because you'll see, like I said, a lot of parents don't want their kids to suffer for anything. They don't want them to feel pain for anything. And that's a horrible mistake. Yes. Your kids got to do without some things so that you can have a, a way of teaching them how to, what life is about. And so when they get things, they'll value them more. And especially if they learn to earn them. But if you don't let them feel some pain, and instead of just building their egos and making them feel good in every situation, you're setting your kids up to suffer in life, to spoil. You're spoiling them. They will not be able to work, and they'll live with you the rest of their life. Or you have to take care of them. And a lot of parents, Christian parents, don't let their kids suffer for anything. Isn't that sad? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, sir. Your friend was kind of faking it. Uh, That's right. Being a Christian till he, till it was going to kill him. Yeah. He was, he was looking, he wanted it. He was like what Rhonda said. He was looking for it. He did what the preacher said, read the Bible, get up in the morning, hoop the holly, carry on, pay your tithe, show up, show up at the men fellowship, get involved, then you're saved. Come down to the front of the church and confess Jesus, Lord and Savior. He did the whole thing. But instead of slowing down, he got busy and God can help him. And that's what, that's what changed my life. It was only when I stopped all that stuff that he allowed me to see. When I was doing all that other stuff trying to get to him, I was getting further away from him. But when I stopped by realizing on myself I can do nothing and, and what I'm doing is not working, then I gave up. And that's when I found him. That's when he allowed me to see. So you got to give up your will. It's already laid out for you. You just have to give up so you can see it and walk into it. Yes, ma'am. Is this helping a little bit? Oh, tremendously. Yeah. The, only, the only concern I had is, I've heard this story before about intense suffering and having to be at that point before you turn right. to God. And it makes me wonder, where is my level? Because I, I mean, I've heard this story where this man had lost his legs and another man had lost his eyesight. And a friend asked him, how you doing? And he said, fine. It, I had to lose my legs. Yeah. I had to lose my eyesight. It was necessary. I don't know if it was necessary, but it was instrumental. And I'm thinking, do I have to lose my legs? <laughs> you know, I guess I everyone not. has intense levels, yeah. I mean, different levels of suffering. And I was just sitting here thinking, where's mine? Yeah. That's all. Um, my suffering was I had tried so hard to change my life. You know, I wanted to get over the conflict. I wanted to be what God said we can be on earth, you know, free and be perfect. We can be made perfect. And when the Bible said it, I wanted to know how can you do that because that wasn't what I was getting, right? And so I just finally came to a point where I was tired of trying to change myself. And I was tired of 
reading the Bible and running church every day and doing all this stuff, and it wasn't working. And, and it, that caused me to give up. I think God, it wasn't in his plan, or I didn't have to lose a limb or, you know, go blind or all that kind of stuff. But I just think some people are so stubborn. Their ego is just so, they're so connected, identified with the devil that they are just refusing to let go. And sometimes, but you don't have to go through all that. You can receive it just like that if you're willing to just see that of yourself you don't know anything, of yourself you're wrong. If you could just face that, it can happen just like that. You don't have to go through that suffering. But some people are just so stubborn, they end up almost losing a life before they can see it. I thought, I was thinking the other day, that's why death is almost necessary because you know you're facing it. And because it's, we're so stubborn, it, it makes you cry out. Yes. It, it, especially if, if when you cry out and no one gets in your way. You know, because a lot of times people cry out and here come the welfare. You know, people cry out, here come daddy or mama saving you or somebody saving you. Next time you get pain, don't let anybody save you from that pain. And then it'll come that way too. Because if you just take it, realize it and take it, then God can come in and save you from it. But we've been saved by everything around us now. We've been told that we're not so bad. And You know, another thing my friend brought up that I thought was a powerful point it just added to my understanding. He said that, you know, when I was uh, 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 when I was dated a lot, he used to date a whole lot, and he said that he had all kind of beautiful women and all that. He used to want to get married, and every time he almost got married, the hell would just come out the woman, and he ended up not marrying her, these different women. So he's glad that he didn't get married. But he said, you know, the worst trick that's been played on all of us we've been taught to have sex before marriage. And he said, if you notice, they're teaching that to the children and everybody. And he's like, it's weird that I'm saying this because I love, I used to just love sex. I never thought I was saying sex is the worst thing that's been happening to us. And he said, the reason that is, one, one of the reasons that is, two reasons he gave me. One is that when you have sex before marriage, it blinds you. It, it, you go blind, you can't see. You don't really see the real person that you're dating. You, you see a, an emotion, you know, you see a false person, you know. And then, then when you get married to that person, all, all of a sudden the reality sets in. You realize the wife don't like washing dishes and the husband don't like working. And now you got a problem. <laughs> but you didn't see that while you were having sex because it does cause you to go into darkness. And it makes you think that all I need is love. And it makes you think things are going to work out. This is why God wants us to be married before we have sex. Because even when you get married, it's still going to happen. But at least under that umbrella, once you have your kids, you have a way out. But if you do this without being married, you don't have a way out. And so he said that it causes you to go blind, and it causes you to end up with the person that you shouldn't be with. And I'm like, you're absolutely right about that, man. That is the truth. You should not be having, and now we have little kids in preschool taught to have sex. Oprah was interviewing uh, Sarah Palin yesterday and her daughter, right? And Sarah Palin's daughter had a baby out of wetlock. And so Sarah is forcing this girl to take care of her own daughter, be responsible, he, you know, get up at night and take care of her. Her kids cry a lot. And so uh, 
Oprah asked this girl, what have you learned from having uh, a baby out of wedlock? And the girl said, I've learned that it is a difficult job. And I would recommend no one should have a baby out of wedlock. You have to get up early in the morning, late at night, the baby's crying. And then I'm trying to work and go to school, it's difficult. And then she, the girl said, well, also I've learned, I've realized that I'm not going to have sex until I get married. Wow. Did, the, did the audience applaud? Uh-uh. Because they don't believe That was the sad thing about it. Yeah. And Oprah sad. said, is that realistic? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she said, isn't that an unrealistic idea? And the girl said, well, no, not for me. Now, maybe for other people, but you're right. You would have thought that the audience would, yeah, that's right, no sex until marriage, especially after going through this hell. They were just quiet. But when Oprah said, asked, isn't that an unrealistic idea, and then they applauded. But that's how, that's how demoralized the world, uh, that's what the world has done to us. And they start at an early age right now with the children. Sex is the thing to do. Now they don't believe that you can wait until marriage. Isn't that evil? Yes. That's evil. Yes. That's evil. That's very evil. The biggest secret about women that a lot of men don't know, women really don't care that much about sex. That's right. They use it for power and control. They can really do without it. Yep. And then most of the time when they act it up with you, they lie to you anyhow to make you feel good and get your wallet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honey, that was so nice. And she thinking... That's right. I've, I've been married 42 years, and uh, we don't have sex as much as we used to, but if we do, I'll say, didn't we just do this two years ago? That's right. <laughs> you know, who cares? After you have your babies, you don't need any more sex. Right. What's sex for anyway? All it does is dumb you down, it kills you. It doesn't give life, it kills you. Somebody told me that doctor... Uh, Oz says that you should have it as many times as possible because it helps you. It doesn't help. That's another line. But you got to enclose it here. You know, you had your hand, or did I come to you already? You didn't come to me already. Okay, yes, ma'am. But um, I, I want to say two things about that. Real fast, because I only have one minute. Okay. Um, the first thing I want to say is that it is possible not to have sex to serve God. Yeah. It, it, it's totally possible. It happened to me. 31 years, ever since I first started meditating. Yep. The other thing is that I had the same experience with, like your friend had, that I discovered for 51 years I was holding something against my father. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? And then... I'm telling you folks, you never, ever, ever going to experience this perfect love until you can get rid of your, until you overcome that anger. you got to forgive. You cannot have any resentment in your heart toward anybody and be born again of God. You got to let it go before you can enter into the kingdom of, of heaven. When you get a chance this week, I want you to read Mark uh, uh, 11, 12 through, through 14. But it talks about how Jesus saw a fig tree. They were going from one place to Jerusalem. And they were hungry, and the fruit tree had a whole bunch of nice leaves on it. And they went there to eat some, and the fruit tree, it had no fruits on it. And so Christ cursed the tree, and it died, right? And God said that we all can do that. 
we can tell a mountain be, to be removed, it'll, it'll be gone. You have the power to do it, except that you don't have love. If you don't have perfect love, you cannot, whatever you say will not come about. So you need perfect love, but read it. You need to be still and know God. Let go. Let go of your anger if you want to be born again. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, guys. For more information or to purchase a copy of this show, visit us on the web at www.bondinfo.org or call 1-800-411-BOND. You're already home.